Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. A boost. Yeah, it was was a really dark time for me. I always say like the scariest place to be was in my mind you know because I was at home with no job no prospects and I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from I was 28 back at home living with my mum so I'd lost my independence all my savings you know my my baby Zachary was my baby Hello and welcome to this In Conversation episode of Shameless. Today, Zara and I are joined by the force of nature that is Effie Katz. For those unfamiliar, Effie is a bit of a design powerhouse. She's the brains behind her self-titled bespoke suiting brand, as well as base brand for perfectly cut basics and dead-end lovers, which creates gorgeous jewellery. But the road to here wasn't an easy one. At 23, Effie created cult brand Zachary the Label. Four years later, she had lost everything. We caught up with Effie in her Coburg workshop to chat about her meteoric rise, her life-changing fall, and what it's like to start all over again. If you hear some ambient background noise in this recording, it's just part and parcel of recording what's a bustling and busy fashion workspace. So just imagine that you're right there with us around that table with Effie. Here's our chat. Effie Katz, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We are very particularly excited about this one, aren't we, Michelle? You're like a little pocket rocket, I think. (laughs) I know. And I'm so excited we've got you on this episode. I feel like we've had lots of listeners DM us saying you need to get Effie Katz on. There's a story here and we can't wait to tell it. No, it was people who messaged us. So we would put out like a call out being like, who should we interview? And people would say... Watch Effie Katz's Instagram stories that she saved as her highlights and then come back and tell us that you shouldn't you don't think there's a story there. And we kept coming back like, but no, there's a story there. So we really want to tell it today. It's definitely a story. Um we start every episode in exactly the same way. What are you reading, watching, listening to this week? Do you have time to do that? Uh, <laughs> between the three ventures, to be honest, uh I'm very time poor. I would like, I really want to read more and do all that kind of stuff, but it's just impossible. Most nights I'm working till like nine, 10, and then I get home and I'm doing emails and I'm researching. So it's, it's, 
I don't have much of a work-life balance at the moment. Yeah. How much? Like how many hours a week? We're we talking. Oh, I probably work ten to twelve hours a day. Do you have a weekend off? I have Sundays. Oh my god, so you work <laughs> six days. But usually that's when I'm shooting my product for the week. So on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, on so Sunday. So that's not a day off. Not really. No. I think it's good that some people can come out and say, like, I don't have time to watch things. I don't have time to read things. I don't have time to listen to anything because I I work. And I think a lot of people would have seen your name, like the Effie Cats brand in particular, pop up in huge ways in the last sort of six to 12 months. Um, And it's important for them to see that there's a lot of work behind that too. I think, like, a a work, you know, life balance is so important. But when you're starting out, it can be so hard to maintain that. And I have found that, but I am definitely working towards it. Have you always wanted to be your own entrepreneur or business founder? Has that drive to work a lot always been intrinsic to your personality? I think I always struggled working for others. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I had a retail job for years prior to, but I always hated having a boss and being told what to do. So it was something that I definitely wanted to do. And now that you know, I've been doing that for so long, I couldn't imagine ever working for anyone else. What were you like at school? Were you into school or were you always... I see, yeah. I was always like very studious. Like my mum was quite strict um, and she was very, you know, you've got to get good grades, you know, you've got to get an education. So that was always something that was in the forefront of, you know, my mind. But I was quite rebellious as well. So I was like, Smart but naughty. <laughs> I like the best type. They're, those are the types yeah. of people that go on and do like really yeah. good things, I think, because yeah. they've got the edge to them, but they've also got the drive. How would you, I mean, like we, I just touched on before, people would have seen your name pop up a lot recently, particularly with Zachary, but even more so now that it's sort of mm. like a self-titled brand. I imagine a lot of people don't know the person behind the brand. Mm. So how would you describe yourself apart from smart but naughty? <laughs> um, how would you describe yourself? Hard question, I know. I don't even know if I would say smart. I'll say I'll retract yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll retract that. Naughty, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm very outspoken yeah. and I'm very driven. When I set my mind to something, I make it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, very much that way. Are your parents that way? Where, where does that come yeah, from? Yeah, I think so. My parents split up when I was very young and I watched my mum struggle as a single mum, you know, financially. And I remember her one time, she took us to KFC and she couldn't afford a meal for us. She was five cents off and the lady wouldn't give us the meal and she just broke down. I think it was just all the pressure in her life at the time. And and she said to me in that moment in tears, don't ever let a man dictate your life, make your own path. And I was like... Wow. Like that really stayed with me from that moment. I think I was like nine Mm. at the time. And watching her go from a secretary who was on like 20,000 a year struggling to feed her kids to she's a partner at one of the major law firms in Melbourne has been incredible. And obviously we've been through all the highs and lows with her and she's just, you know, so tough and so incredible. She's my idol. So... She's always been a huge source of inspiration and I think it's something that I've carried on myself. 
That's amazing. So that's where the motivation comes from. In your childhood, where did fashion weave into everything? Aha. Well, my dad is a tailor. There we go. So he had a suiting store when we were younger. And it's funny because he would always have like men's Vogue magazines around the house, never women's because my mum really wasn't into it. (laughs) So as a kid, I would take his Vogue magazines and I'd flick through and look at all the runways and then I had my sketchbook and I would figure out how to convert these men's outfits into like women's outfits. So I'd draw them for girls. Wow. Yeah. Did you, so when you finished school, was it, you know, having the fashion design background and fashion around, were you thinking, okay, I want to go into fashion, I want to make clothes? What was the plan when you finished school and what did you want to do? It's funny because I watched my dad sort of really struggle in the industry because it is tough in so many ways and I didn't want to get into it. I didn't want to be a fashion designer. That was never my goal at all. I knew I wanted to be in the industry in some capacity. And in year 12, I started buying my own Vogues and I was, you know, really into photography. And I decided I was going to be a fashion photographer. Of course. So I went to uni, studied photography. I completed my diploma and then I started my degree but I really struggled with the technical aspect because I'm not good with numbers or anything like that. And I found that that kind of limited my creative ability. And I knew, see, I'm one of those people that if I do something, I want to be the best mm. and I'll do whatever I can to be the best. We have that in common. <laughs> <laughs> I'm either zero or a hundred. That's it. There's no yeah. in between. I'm not going to be mediocre. If I'm going to do it, I'm going all the way. And I knew... I don't know. It's just numbers are like jumbled for me. I don't understand them. It's a whole nother language. And I knew that I would only ever be so good because I was so caught up on the technical side of it Mm. that I just couldn't get past it. Um, So I dropped out, much to my mum's dismay. (laughs) (laughs) How long long did it take before you dropped out? Well, I did my diploma, which was two years. And then I started my degree. I think I was halfway through the first year, dropped out. Um. And then I decided I was going to get into PR. So I was trying to figure out how I'd work fashion into that as well. And it was 3 a.m. I had an assessment due the next day. I'm very last minute. Well, I work well under pressure. (laughs) The adrenaline rush. Yeah, it's the adrenaline rush. So halfway through an assessment, 3 a.m., I'm exhausted. And I realised I don't love this at all. And this is not what I want to do with my life. And it happened to coincide with the time that I was going to a friend's wedding and I had been shopping for a dress and I could not find anything sort of in between, you know, your basic cook eye kind of pieces and, you know, Manning Cartel, which was like $500, which was as a uni student, completely out of my budget. And I thought, geez, there's a gap here. I think, you know, this is potentially something that I can fill. So... I made an executive decision that night to drop out of that course too, much to my mum's dismay again. (laughs) And I then said to her, mum, I'm going to start a brand. Where do you even start? So there's one thing Uh, in thinking there's a gap in the market. There's not dresses for people like me. How do you go from having that idea and actually making the dresses and selling them? I'm, again, so extreme that once I get something in my head, I have to make it happen. Like one night I was convinced I wanted braids and I had no idea how to braid my hair. So I sat and taught myself for an hour and a half and I braided my hair. <laughs> that is such yeah. a good analogy. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's yeah, good. That's, that's me. So I had that conversation and 
as you guys know, I've got this workroom over here. It's bloody huge. Yes. There's a lot going on. Great workspace. Yeah, so this has been in the family for like 25 years. Wow. And I went to my dad and I was like, hey, I want to start a brand. And he was like, great, pay for it. <laughs> so I said to him, well, look, how about this? I'll work for you with your suits. I will take on clients. I'll bring new clients and I will earn my way. And you can help me, you know. With the workspace yeah. and everything yeah. like that, the logistics. And what was the idea then, just to create dresses? Did you want it to be a big brand? Did you have big goals? I initially, it's funny because I'm, I'm in one way riddled with self-doubt and then in the other way I'm like, no, I'm going to make this happen. It's yeah. going to happen. Mm. So I think, you know, there, were, there was that self-doubt in the beginning and I was like, well, I don't know how to do this, you know. And I, my expectations were a little bit, lower at the time but I knew sort of long term where I wanted to go with it I was just happy to kind of go slowly and get there and learn and I don't think I realized at the time how quickly it was actually going to take off so Zachary was born in 2013 is that right yes and how quickly when we say it took off how quickly we talking and how are you sort of measuring that by the end of 2014, I had an online store and a flagship store at Chapel Street. Wow. Yeah. And, and you, how old were you when you launched Zachary? Uh, 23. 23. Yeah. What's that rise like when it's so quick and you have people like Gigi Hadid, yeah. Kendall and Kylie Jenner yes. wearing your clothes yeah. in, on the other side of the world? Like that must feel electric and almost addictive. Like you must think you are the world's best person. <sighs> Not quite. It was, look, it was amazing, but I, I was always like, okay, you know, what's next? How do we get there? So it, I never kind of took a moment to like sit back and really enjoy my success or feel like it was good enough, if that makes sense. And that's where I think because it happened so quickly and it was, I'm not going to say effortless, it wasn't. It, it, it was a lot of hard work and a lot of hours, but it, the success did kind of come very fast. I felt a little bit empty, almost like I didn't deserve it. It was almost like you had imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like a sham because I hadn't studied and, and it's not like I was making the dresses. And I think almost the fact that I didn't have a degree made me feel like I was a phony. Did anyone ever say that to you to make you feel that way or was no. that completely internalised? No, no, I think it was just it was just me. I think I've just got that in me where it's like, I don't know, this sounds really bad now that I'm saying it out loud, but I, I really had this thing of not good enough, got to push harder, got to achieve more. And so when you were doing all of, like making these dresses and celebrities are wearing them and it's all going really well, did you ever feel in over your head? Was it was it as good behind the scenes as it looked sort of uh, from the front? Well, because I never studied, I didn't quite grasp certain technical aspects. So we were predominantly making stretch clothing. With stretch clothing, the thread that binds the seams has to stretch to the same amount as the fabric. Yeah. Otherwise, there is a breaking point. So... We were working with a lot of – when we started experimenting with factories and, you know, mass producing because we had to keep up with the demand, we found that a lot of them didn't understand this and I didn't understand either. So we started to have some huge production issues 
and we found, you know, locally we kind of had had it all worked out um, and it was something that we could manage because we were there communicating one-on-one in person with, you know, um, the people who were running the factories. But when it got to overseas and huge volume, we struggled. And that's where things sort of started to spin out of control. So before we get to where things kind of took a downward spiral, what was the absolute peak of Zachary like? At one point you say you had a flagship store on Chapel Street. How many stores did you have in Australia? So we got to six stores, I believe. Yeah. That's crazy. And do you know how many dresses you were selling per week or per month at the height of the company? Gosh, it was a lot. Because take it from me, I I was... (laughs) I would have been 21 and at the time, I reckon, when Zachary was at its absolute peak and every weekend that I was out, a girlfriend would Everyone be wearing, wearing Zachary. Yeah. It was yeah. huge, yeah. iconic. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was It was like a Melbourne institution almost. Mm. You know, everyone kind of knew it. I wouldn't say that was the peak for me because that was never something that I wanted. The peak for me was when we were most profitable, when we had our two stores it was easier to manage. Things sort of had a flow, even though we were sort of struggling behind the scenes and I was like losing my mind. It was, it worked. It worked. And then I think when it sort of expanded to that point, that's when things got quite tricky. But yeah, that were the glory days, I call them. Two stores online, happy day. <laughs> Can you, I guess, help us sit in your shoes? So you're really young, you're in your mid 20s, you've got this fashion brand that has had a lot of success and all of a sudden, you start hemorrhaging money. Yes. What is that like? Because I have, I, th- I think you'd be similar as well. I didn't grow up in a family with a heap of money. I yeah. probably wasn't in the situation that you were in. However, I've carried huge money anxiety throughout my whole yeah. life that I will run out of money and there won't be enough. How is it to go from someone who went through that as a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old, mm. not having enough money to then in your mid-20s experience that again? Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And I carried the weight of it all on my shoulders, if we'd had a bad week, it would really affect me. You know, I think, what am I doing wrong? What can I do better? Maybe my designs aren't that good. You know, maybe I'm losing my edge. There's so many things that, you know, run through your mind and you take it so personally when retail is really just volatile and you have your weeks, you know, but I think when you're so emotionally invested in something, it's really difficult to look at it in an objective way. Well, I I struggled with that. It's something that I'm definitely better with now. Um, But at the time, you know, I mean, I had some really crushing, you know, moments and experiences um, in the industry. When when you're making and losing money at the same time and it's that weird divide – sort of how do you make how do you make sense of that do you feel like i'm going to be like this forever i'm going to be stressed with no life and and money's going to be sort of consuming me like what what is that yeah. like i think i went a little bit crazy yeah. <laughs> at the time it was it was hard because it was like it's all consuming. It yeah. really is. You and you're can't, so young. Yeah. I, you know, my friends would be out and it'd be like, you know, it's Saturday night, be someone's birthday and everyone's out getting drunk and you're just thinking about like, oh my God, you know, the stores were quiet today. What do we do? And, you know, we're down X amount for the month and we've got to hit this target to pay for these bills. And it, yeah. Did you think this was going to be forever, that Zachary and you <laughs> were going to be forever? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I had really grand plans. For it, um, but I think 
looking back now, Zachary was very much my training wheels in the industry. Well, that's how I like to look at it now. Where did it go wrong? Apart from the manufacturing problems and the design problems, which you've now learnt more about, what happened? Look, I think I brought people into the company that probably weren't right for me. I think a business partnership is like a a marriage and if the marriage isn't working, nothing's working, you know, and it affects the family and the family was the company. And, yeah, that's personally for me where things took a downturn. So you were 28 and suddenly Zachary goes into administration. Yes. What does that feel like to have the one thing that you've poured every ounce of your energy, time and money into suddenly fall apart very publicly? I had actually exited the company prior to this happening, not officially, but behind the scenes I had. Um, So I had started to emotionally break away from it and that's where I really took, you know, I took five months off, my life stopped and, yeah, it was it was a really dark time for me. I always say, like, the scariest place to be was in my mind, you know, because I was at home with no job, no prospects for a job at that time. I didn't really want to work for anyone else because I, I kind of know how I am and I know that I'm ambitious beyond beyond that. For me personally, that's, that's what I, you know, I want to be my own boss. So I knew that going back to working for someone else would kill me Mm. and I didn't know what I was going to do I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from I was 28 back at home living with my mum because I was living above the store so I'd lost my independence all my savings you know my my baby Zachary was my baby so that was yeah Coming up after the break, Effie talks about her encounter with racism in the fashion industry and why she will always dress women of all shapes and sizes. But first, a word from our sponsor. We grabbed one of your Instagram captions from the very start of Effie Katz, the label, which came after Zachary fell apart. We wanted you to read it out. I'll um, give it to you. Are you. Can you highlight it, Michelle, and read yeah. it out? Because we read this today and... We thought it was pretty wonderful. Uh In 2016, I was made to remove the words by Effie Katz from my previous company's Instagram. I was told my name was too ethnic and just having it on our Instagram would be enough to deter people from shopping with us. I lost a piece of myself and a piece of my brand that day. That in mind, I've decided to call my new venture Effie Katz. Can you talk us through that? How did that feel to be told your name's too ethnic to sell clothes? (laughs) That was devastating. I think there were a lot of things that happened that were just, you know, systematically pushing me away from Zachary, creating a divide between me and essentially, you know, this company that I'd given birth to and... That was one of the final nails in the coffin, albeit a small sort of event, seemingly. It was, it was crucial for me. Um, and I think going through that and feeling powerless in a situation like that, 
the only way for me to move forward was to gain control of, of my life and through starting this new venture, calling it, you know, my name that was too ethnic to be on an Instagram was so liberating for I me. Bet. Where do you find the confidence to start again? Because it's not just starting something completely different. Like you're going back to the same industry and you are pulling something else out of the hat. How do you like? How do you pull yourself together in such a short amount of time in order to do that? Oh, well, look, I I, did, I took five months off. Five months is not that long, Effie. <laughs> it felt like a lifetime, especially when you're working six days yeah. a week for twelve hours a day <laughs> in my bathrobe. <laughs> five months in my bathrobe. Uh, yeah, I was petrified to start again, and it's funny because my partner um, Shane, he had sort of just come into my life. And it started, so it started with, you know, I, I lost the Instagram that I had built, which had over 215,000 followers, right? So I was like, that's it, I'm done. I'm never <laughs> going to be able to make it in the industry without this account. You know, I've only got 8,000 followers. And he was like, you are Zachary. It's about you. You can rebuild. You just need to start, you know, posting outfits and getting back out there, you know, getting people engaging with your page. And I was like, nobody cares about me. They only care about Zachary. You know, you, you go through all those those thought processes. Um, but he was like, I don't care. He's like, get up, put this jacket on, do your makeup, put those shoes <laughs> put your on. Put power suit on. <laughs> That's it. We're taking photos, you know. And it started with me wearing other brands and posting that and getting, you know, followers and traction from that. And from there... He was like, come on, why don't you, why don't you put, put something out there? Like I made a pair of pants just for myself, just through here. And he was like, just post them, see what happens. And I sold like 30 pairs wow. in like two weeks, uh, which was big because I didn't have a, you know, a huge following at all. I only, yeah, I had 8,000 followers at the time. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I can do this. And then after that, I you know, put a jacket out and then I put another piece out and it just flowed on from there. Was there a moment, um, maybe someone wore a suit or like a, a particular Instagram moment that went viral, which I think is totally, kind of, which, which you thought, Oh my God, this maybe this, might be a thing. Yeah. Can you pinpoint totally, a moment? Totally. Sophie Keisha. We were about I to say that. that to Michelle. Zara turned to me yep. when we did our research. She's like, I reckon Sophie Keisha was huge for yep. this brand. She was. I got 3000 followers from her. I think all the stars aligned for me and Soph there because I'd made her the suit in like a week and something. It was like the was shortest it business time chicks and it was like this it beautiful was. bright pink suit. Yes. See, I that remember it. it. That's when you know you've had like an Instagram moment. That was it. Um, the photo was epic and it just went viral and it, she literally like quadrupled my business. So I owe Soph so much for that. Yeah. Isn't that nice as yeah. well to be able to have someone that you've worked with in the past where you feel like they really helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the diversity of customers that I got from Soph as well was awesome. And I like, you know, I had 16 year old girls and 70 year old women, you know, wearing these bright colored suits. And then from there, that's when bold, bright colored suits really became a thing. Hmm. I was going to ask you about this a little bit later in the episode, but I'll ask it now because you just brought up diversity. One thing Zara and I noticed when we scrolled through your account is that you don't discriminate between who you want to dress. Absolutely. And we've met with women in the industry, particularly plus size models who have said that they 
really struggle to find anyone to dress them. But you dress all sizes and shapes. How do you feel about that industry standard where lots of other brands refuse to dress bigger women? You know, it's so funny because... Zachary had this real reputation of being like a skinny girl's brand. And that was never my intention. It was just that I really didn't know how to construct garments that weren't stretch. Mm. I didn't understand at the time because, like I said, I never studied fashion. So I was just doing what I knew. Where now having a wealth of knowledge and understanding of garments and tailoring and also having the right team to produce garments for different shapes and sizes and you know, again, all the stars have sort of aligned. I have wanted to cater to all kinds of women and made that my mission because, and and beyond that, making garments that empower every single kind of woman, be she 16 or, you know, 70 or, you know, a size 4 or a size 22, it doesn't matter. I wanted women to feel incredible and empowered in my garments because I went through a stage where I felt so helpless and powerless and I know that dressing up, you know, for me, you know, when I had sort of nothing to look forward to, at the very least, you know, if if my partner and I went out to dinner and I put something nice on, I felt better and I wanted to give that to women. Do you feel like it's absolutely no coincidence then that after everything that you went through with Zachary, that the brand you built from the ground up was a brand that was centred on like this image of a power suit which sort of has become so prolific on Instagram as like the ultimate empowering garment to wear you know fate is a funny word but I think in a way this was fate for me it was my fate and it just so happened that it was the right time you know for the market you know for the consumer a lot of high-end brands had started to really introduce tailoring in a heavy way and it just happened to coincide when you know, I was coming out again and, yeah, the stars really did align there. And it just happened in this beautiful, like, organic way. Yeah, it's just been an incredible journey thus far. You also touched on Shane before, your yes. partner. Tell us about your relationship because looking on your Instagram feed, it just seems idyllic in that he supports you yeah. no matter what. And I really... I mean, it sounds ridiculous because it's 2019, but I really do appreciate when boyfriends are so clearly supportive of their partners in like career pursuits. It's funny. The day that the Age and the Sydney Herald published the article about me, you know, losing Zachary, I was hysterical (laughs) and I I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel at, at that point. And I said to him, the next few months are going to be horrific. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Like, I don't know how to heal from this. I don't know how to process this. And I don't think anyone who doesn't have to be in this situation should willingly go through it with me. So I totally understand if you want to go and and I wouldn't hold it against you. And he was like, Effie, I believe in you. And I see things in you that you don't even see in yourself right now. And I don't care. I'm not going anywhere. And that was, you know, well, he really earned his stripes there. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that I've noticed that is a common thread, not just with with Shane's support, but the influence of family in your fashion. Mm. Um, Another Instagram post that we particularly loved of yours was one of your grandmother, I think it was, who's saying, I made this... (laughs) 
I made these clothes. Is that right? And you said, these are the people behind my vision who bring my designs to life. It's easy to forget that there are people and stories behind our clothes. And I'm very lucky to have some very special and talented people working alongside me. Walk us through that. Like walk us through the influence of family on both business and fashion. Look, I, you know, I did start Zachary with my dad in this workroom and we did not see eye to eye. You know, there were major issues. We didn't agree on most things. And I think there was a lot of, you know, ego and it rapidly kind of spun out of control and got to this really toxic, horrible place for both of us. And for me, thinking that the grass was greener on the other side and kind of going for that and then experiencing that and realising, oh, my God, no, it's not, you know, that was a very humbling and that was a big learning curve for me and also for him because we kind of realised that we do in a strange way need each other, (laughs) you know, and I used to hate, you know, when I had Zachary that, you know, my grandpa would take the bins out in the middle of the day when I had a store full of clients or that my grandma was yelling at the top of her lungs and, you know, I I crave for something sort of more, you know, a more corporate structure and something that, you know, was more professional. But when I had it, it was almost soulless. So now coming back into that and having my family here and having a wonderful, you know, supportive team where we all uplift each other and, you know, it's this, it's, a, it's a circus. It's a circus in here. But it's the best because it's not a toxic place. There's no animosity. Um, there's no sort of negativity. We just work through things together. And having my family here and, and having people, you know, who work for me that I, I love and adore very much is really special for me. And also I think it shines through what I do in, in the garments. Like there's love. There's love between us. There's love in the clothes everything. What do you love most about what you do? I love, well, A, that I get to wake up every day and do, you know, what I'm passionate about, but B, that I get to express myself creatively and I'm not limited. You know, I can, you know, I get this idea at like 11 o'clock at night and I'll send it to my pattern maker and be like, oh my God, we have to make this tomorrow. Let's do something (laughs) like this. I love this neckline. Let's put this on this and, you know, let's do this in this fabric. And, and it just comes to life just like that. And I think, that's awesome. <laughs> what will you do differently with Effie Cats than what you did with Zachary? I have had some pressure on me to start a brand in the traditional sense, you know, where we make stock and we're selling standard sizing and all the rest of it. And I really have dismissed any possible, like I toyed with the idea in the beginning, but I think at the moment I'm loving this process so much. I'm loving being one-on-one with clients. I'm loving how quickly we can adapt and mold and create. And I don't think I'm ready to go back to, uh, you know, having a traditional retail brand, but also I think the market's changed and they're wanting more from brands that they're not getting. And I think that's what makes me popular, you know, is that people can come with these ideas and they can create and they can have these special items that are made just for them. I think in an age as well where everyone wants to personalise everything and have their touch, like Zara, you've got a personalised phone case somewhere around, but also I guess at the same time as fast fashion Mm. is going bananas. How do you feel about fast fashion? How do you feel about so many women 
in the millennial market going for fast fashion brands? Look, I get it in the sense that people's budgets are tight Mm. and girls just want to look amazing and they might not necessarily have, you know, the kind of money to spend on, on things that they want. So I get that these fast fashion brands are, you know, they're giving them the opportunity to dress and, and feel the way they want. But obviously there's a huge downside. You know, there's a lot of wastage. There's a lot of girls out there kind of, you know, everyone's kind of looking the same in, in a sense. Well, that's the sort of downside of it is that there's no individuality mm. in the pieces. Um, you can go to a you know, a bar and there could be five other girls wearing the same dress. Like it's not necessarily like how do you stand out when you're dressed in the same item as someone else? And I think I've really seen, you know, the demand for girls that just want to have their own piece that nobody else has. Have you had any experience of fast fashion brands seeking inspiration from oh, your Oh, yes, had that recently. Yes. Really? Yes, I don't know if I should say the brand. But no, don't, don't say the brand. Don't say the brand, but tell us about the experience. I won't. How did yeah, you come across so, it? Um, uh, one of my clients actually sent me a screenshot and she was like, what the hell? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've copied one of my suits and they're selling it for a lot cheaper. It's probably not made as well. Um, it's probably not in, you know, a fantastic fabric. Um, but, yeah, no, I have had that. Mm. And I think I get it. You know, it's going to happen. It's the industry for it. Uh, and I definitely had that a lot with Zachary, but that was kind of expected. Now that I'm doing custom, it, it's almost like, you know, I'm little, like, you know, I'm a small fish mm. and I'm trying to make my way in the industry and these brands that just have no sense of consciousness are just like blatantly ripping me off. It's yeah. like, ouch, guys, it's not nice. <laughs> We have always two questions that we end on, which are exactly the same questions. The first one is, what's next for Effie Cats? We'll see where the road takes me. Everybody asks me, like, what's your plan? Where is it going? I think I've got, you know, Dead End Lovers. That's, you know, pretty self-explanatory. Base brand, which I'm wholesaling, you know, it has the potential to be global, um, that's where we sort of want it to go and I know that. Um, but with Effie Cats, it's something that's like very close to my heart and I think given that it started in such an organic way, I want to let it evolve naturally. I don't want to put pressure on this particular venture because I don't want to steal the magic mm. out of it. So, uh, you know, we've already grown in leaps and bounds. We've got our systems in place. I am looking to hire and expand potentially, potentially. We if won't we, hold you to it. Don't, don't worry. It's like you're too it. scared to say it. But, but if I find the right person who can do what my pattern maker does for my in-store clients, potentially we may have an online where we're doing a made-to-order. Yeah. Um, so someone who can standardise a pattern and then if someone orders a 10 or a 12 or whatever, they can whip it up, make it, and then we send it to them in like two or three weeks or whatever it is. That is something that I am looking at doing. Um, But in terms of Effie Cats being a brand in the traditional sense, I have no plans for that at this stage. Yeah. And our last question, as always, is who do you look up to? Who are you inspired by? Ah, my mum. Yeah. Yeah, my mum. 
for all the reasons I stated, um, she's, yeah, she's my hero. Effie, it's been a delight having you on. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. you are, I, I think so many people listen to this episode and have just been so blown away by how quickly someone can pull their shit together <laughs> and come back. And honestly, I feel like this is just the beginning now. Thanks, so guys. thank you so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this In Conversation episode of Shameless. If you loved this chat with Effie as much as we did, you can find her on Instagram at Effie Katz. As for us, we will be on Instagram, as always, at Shameless Podcast and in our Facebook group, Shameless Podcast Community. We'll be back in your ears on Monday. Bye, guys. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.